0: Thank mm-hmm. you. How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this
3: isn't my quote, I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. joining me today is Mickey Turner, Tim Foss, and Beth Mantle, and uh, I guess I should have let everyone say hi. Mickey, okay. let's start with you and, and you can kind of uh give us your, your quick spiel. What did you think what would you think of the Sounders win over Sporting KC? Uh
1: yeah, I thought it was an impressive win. Um particularly in the first half. Uh I kind of got the vibes from the LAFC championship match uh, back in 2019, just as far as the way that they played and were very sturdy in defense, didn't really allow anything. Yeah. They gave up some possession, but they were clinical in the chance that they had, you know, scoring the first goal in the second half, uh, not so much, uh, even though they were able to get the second goal in uh, somewhat uh, unusual circumstances, but they were definitely behind, um, you know, SKC definitely put it to him for a good portion of the second half, but as is their want, they are very sturdy in defense. They don't give up a lot of chances. Uh, The one goal they gave up was, you know, kind of an unfortunate goal that Fry certainly you would think he would get, you know, nine times out of 10. Um, And, you know, definitely down the stretch, they were really getting pressured and weren't really able to do much. But I think for, you know, the first, you know, sixty. You know, sixty-five minutes of that game, they were they were very good, and it was a very entertaining game overall. Even if the last you know fifteen minutes was not, uh, you know, uh, you know, was kind of a uh, all hands on deck defensive action, but overall, you know, uh, just an entertaining game, and they played well for the majority of it.
0: So, Tim, I I was thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, this was sort of a, an inflection point uh, for this seven games and twenty-three day stretch that they're now on the on the back end of but if they had lost this game they would have found themselves in second place like they would have been i think tied with the rapids for second place they would have now had a four-point gap between them and sporting kansas city they'd have no cup to show for it they'd have another road game on short rest coming up and then they'd have a home game that's all of a sudden a must win against the rapids next weekend uh in that context this feels like a pretty
3: massive win, right? Yeah. I, I would have described this win as cathartic. Uh, you it know, worked. it wasn't, it wasn't always the prettiest. I think the Sounders certainly looked like the better of the two teams for good chunks of the game. Definitely much of the first half, but uh, you know, to your point, had they lost, they, would have dropped down the standings, been tied with Colorado. SKC would have had a much firmer hold on first place. The Sounders would have had one win in their last four, heading into a like absolutely brutal stretch of seven games. And really the whole nine game stretch to the end of the season, they play five of those nine games on the road, which, you know, maybe for the Sounders this season, that's a good thing. They've been the potentially the best they've ever been on the road this season and their struggles have often come at home, but still you, you have, you would have to feel a little bit of pessimism creeping in at that stage. You know, the, the other sort of big thing coming out of this game is we've had two consecutive games, not both MLS games, but two consecutive games where Raul Rui Diaz really seemed like he should have gotten a few over the course of those two games he's had looks he's had really good seeming chances and just hasn't been able to finish it's now been four straight MLS games that he hasn't scored in Um, he hadn't scored in three all competitions games before the Santos game scored in that one now it's been three games since he's scored again adding that in it just would feel like where are goals going to come from let alone where's a win going to come from uh but you know will bruin gets on the board christian old don gets on the board again they get the win in kansas city for the first time in over eight years and even if parts of that game were frankly ugly you still have to feel pretty good having gotten the you know a couple goals and a win
0: yeah beth you kind of joked that uh you know, they, they've they got these two games coming up one against the earthquakes, the other against the rapids. And you kind of joke that the, the earthquakes game maybe is the one that they're more likely to win based on road and, and away form or home and away form. Uh, yeah. I don't know what this team looks like. It's very, it's almost, it does legitimately look like, like their, their game just sets up better for the road. I don't know. What do you think?
2: It's, it's very strange. Um, I mean, I think the worst part about it is if you think about us doing this well on the road in the season where we had a typical home form, like how well we could have done um over the course of the season, like where does that put us in the supporter's shield race?
0: Yeah, um, maybe New with-
2: England doing the best of ever aside. Um you could set yourself up for like a pretty nice run. Um I'm just really hoping the bad home form is behind us. I've got my first win. I think it was the last home game Yes. in the press box. So pretty excited about that. Um, but I am still mourning the loss of the League's Cup final trophy. Yeah. I that, miss that, her. She yeah. should have been mine.
0: I know that that League's Cup trophy. I, I thought that there was a perfect moment in the trophy ceremony where the Leon player was picking it up and he thought it was upside down. So he tried to tip it over and they said, no, no, no. You have it right.
2: It actually is. It's different on both sides. One has the <sighs> the stars and the Canadian Maple Leafs, and the other one has the, like, Liga MX pattern that they came up with. So technically, there is a right side. I guess whoever wins gets to be on top.
0: Oh. It's
2: such a weird little guy.
0: It is a weird little guy. I, I didn't. We the...
2: win it. We should have won it. We could have won it.
0: I know. And, and we, I guess we haven't really had a time to deconstruct that one. Uh, and maybe this is a good time for that. But You know, the Sounders scored first in that game, and man, for the life of, I I mean, through 60 minutes, I thought the Sounders were not only the better team, but they were, you know, for about 10 minutes there, they looked like they might run away with it. Like, they might, like, really turn it into a rout. And then all of a sudden, Leon makes three subs, and the Sounders are back on their heels, and almost immediately after the subs, uh, Leon equalizes. And then it's a kind of like they never look back toward a sort of situation. The Sounders, I, I think, were sort of their own worst enemies. Brian Spencer made a, a point of saying that he thought all three goals were, were team breakdowns. And I'm sure he's correct in that you can probably find multiple moments in in any of those plays where, you know, more than one player made a mistake. But, you know, Mickey asked this question in the presser, and I thought he was, I had the same read, that, whether or not there were multiple things that anyone could have done to stop it, especially, you know, like I look at the second goal, especially Sounders had six defenders in the box on three attacking players. The ball is going towards the end line, really nowhere to go with it. And Shane O'Neill commits a pretty boneheaded penalty. Like he doesn't need to go to ground there and he just, but then if he does go to ground, you got to win the ball. He doesn't win the ball. And it's just he bails out the the attacking on Hamena, absolutely bails him out, and then just to kind of rub salt in the wound, uh, Stefan Fry guesses right on the on the penalty, but he just can't keep it out. Just an absolutely frustrating sequence. And then of course the third goal is uh, you know, is very regrettable as uh Javier Arriaga basically gets it taken off him. You can quibble about whether it was Stefan Fry's pass that set him up poorly or Javier not doing better or maybe he was fouled but either way it's it's a bad giveaway I I don't know how you don't see some some individual errors in that one but um Mickey how I mean I think what was most striking about it was how uncharacteristic all that was
1: yeah and it's just as an aside to what you said about uh, Smetzer, you know putting it more on team breakdowns Uh, after training uh, last week he offered to take the press through a kind of a chalkboard session yeah Uh, on each of the those goals, so uh, if anybody out there would like to see that, uh, certainly uh, let the Sounders know, and we'll uh, we'll try to get that set up because that would be obviously cool to have him take us through. Yeah, kind of chalkboard session. Um, but yeah, to your point, they were yeah. The O'Neill one is probably the most uh, egregious to me, yes. um, just given that you know the kind of the game state and where they where the team had, uh, made a setup in that particular situation. And I was, uh, you know, again, the tackle was was unnecessary, you know, to the extreme, and it just wasn't something that needed to happen. And I know people were giving uh, Ariaga a lot of grief for her for his his error, and certainly he bears some blame. But I was kind of on the uh, the side of that he was poorly set up for that particular sequence. And Why it, have people
2: a- not taken the opportunity to give Hobby grief about something? Not,
1: yeah, that is all <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that certainly it's not something that people, many people, miss out on. But in you know in that situation, uh, uh, someone in the Slack uh, pointed out, and I agreed that you know if if you're expecting Ari- Ariaga to just boot the ball uh, once he receives it, you might as well just have Fry do that in the first place. Um, and you know again, that is just something you know again in the in the situation you know you know things happen, and you know again it was just a breakdown and you know unfortunate um, and regrettable that they ended up giving up that goal, especially when they came back at the end of the game. And got the deflected goal. And then Rui Diaz to kind of what Tim pointed out had a couple of or had at least one just golden chance to at least send it to penalties. Um, And yeah, it was just, you know, two. they were in control of that game after they scored. And had they just been able to get that second goal you you, you probably think at that point Leon is just you know kind of wraps it up um you know certainly they're not going to give up or anything but you know just the sounders at that point just have all the momentum in the world and it would have been a monumental collapse uh to to give up uh you know two a two goal lead at that point and unfortunately other yeah, substitutions made a difference uh and it was just uh yeah it was it was disappointing but you know at least they they've kind of wipe that bad taste of that out of the mouth with the win at SKC, because yeah, it would have been really a daunting uh, prospect coming off of a loss in the Leon game, a loss against SKC. You're going on the road to San Jose, and then you're going to try to get a result at home where your form hasn't been great against the Colorado team that, you know, may not be the, the greatest team in the world, but certainly can come in and get a result or at least, you know, play to a draw. Uh, and so, you know, that, for all those reasons the SKC victory was especially important i think
0: you know what, what struck me about the 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 Leon loss was i went back and looked at the records this is the eighth time since 2007 that a mls team has played a liga MX East team in a international final meaning uh, superliga concacaf champions league and now league's cup <clears throat> all eight of those games as you probably know have been won by liga MX East teams uh and what's even more notable about that is, in seven of those eight, the MLS team only lost by a goal. And in the other one, which was the I think it was 2015 Concacaf Champions League, Montreal, the Montreal Impact actually led in the second half uh, before ultimately falling by two goals. But it's it's kind of one of these Lucy swiping the ball from Charlie Brown sort of situations when it's Liga MX and the Sounder and MLS playing each other, where the sounder, there's this sense that MLS teams are, are gaining ground and, and, and Liga and Mackey's is like, oh, no, you're competitive this time. You're in this. And in the Sounders' case, I mean, I, like I said, through 60 minutes, it looked like they were really the better team. And then all of a sudden, the Liga Mackey's teams switch on the, the flip a switch and we're kind of back saying the whole same story where it's like, oh, well, there's this huge gap between the teams and there's all these excuses for why MLS can't be more competitive, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. The, the thing that just burned me up was that this was the Sounders' chance to really make history. It would have been the first MLS team to, to beat a Liga Mackey's team in an international cup final. And, and they had it. They had it, and they just couldn't put it through. It was the first time the Sounders were playing for an international title. Uh, and, you know, say what you will with a Leagues cup, but I love the narrative value of all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it was a great – it was a great, ex- you know, tournament you know particularly obviously because the Sounders were in the final and you're in Vegas and you've got that kind of just that the whole glitz and glamour of the the whole thing and you know it's just an entertaining spectacle but you know it's hard not to be disappointed about about the ultimately the results even if it is not a tournament that at least is currently constructed is on the same level as the CONCACAF Champions League even though that tournament doesn't necessarily get Um, isn't as high profile as some other, you know, continental tournaments as well. And, you know, maybe that's why Garber is uh, trying to, to gussy it up a little bit. Um, And, you know, they keep adding these types of tournaments because they want MLS to finally, you know, get over that hump. And, you know, someday they will. Um, It's not right now for a myriad of reasons, uh, some of which are financial and, you know, scheduling and all that kind of stuff and roster depth, et cetera, et cetera. But again, for what it was, I enjoyed uh, league's cup and I think it does have some potential and we're going to see a big expansion of, of that tournament here in a couple of years. And it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how that ultimately plays out. Um, so in a way, this, this tournament, at least the Sounders participation in it, in it this year is kind of a, it's a one-off of sorts because it's not going to exist in this form for very much longer.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I I thought that it was all in all pretty, a pretty interesting event. You were there though, Mickey. What was your impression on the ground of of playing in Vegas and that the whole everything around the the game? You know, putting aside the stuff on the field.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, caveat aside, I love Vegas. I'm a big fan. I go. I you know, in my younger years, I went quite a bit. I think we talked about this <laughs> for the last podcast. And yeah, it's just, if you know, again, if you like Vegas, you'll enjoy what this was in Vegas. And, you know, certainly it would be a good place to hold it if you're going to do a neutral venue site Um, going forward. They had an impressive turnout, I think, under the circumstances, nearly 25,000. Uh, fans in attendance uh certainly that was probably helped by the sounders being there and they traveled very well for the game uh you know probably better than i think you know anyone would have reasonably expected with only a week's notice um you know on the ground i wouldn't say that there was a lot of uh media attention on the game and that's more a function of you know this tournament being very new and not being not having any local team involved. I'm sure, I'm sure hurt that. And just, you know, the general uh, place of soccer uh, still in, in the North American media, but all that aside uh, I think it did, it, 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 it showed well. It represented well. Um, and I think it, it showed that, you know, again, Vegas as a potential MLS uh, expansion city, uh, which is something that it sounds like Garber basically uh, all but confirmed uh, during the halftime um, interview that he did. Uh, it just shows that Vegas is a, is a good potential location uh, for these types of events generally and for you know, a potential MLS team you know, specifically.
0: So we talked about how this was a missed opportunity. We talked about it almost turned into a calamitous sort of week for the Sounders. But of course it wasn't. Uh, the Sounders are now uh, back in first place, two points ahead of Sporting Kansas City. They have a game in hand. And I don't know, uh, how, how do you project this? What is your feeling, Tim, going forward?
3: Uh, what do you want to see against San Jose? I think more than anything, I specifically want to see a win and I want to see Raul Ruiz Diaz score. Uh, he has, maybe I am overly waiting that his first Sounders goal came against San Jose, but I feel like he likes to score against San Jose. Maybe he just likes to score against California teams. He but, scored a lot, I
0: think, at, against San Jose at home.
3: Uh, But I, you know, I feel like, it's a good opportunity for him to get a goal. I know San Jose has been somewhat resurgent recently, uh, but I think good opportunity for him to, you know, get back into his stride, try to close the gap on the golden boot. Um, I think I, the other maybe one specific thing is that I would like to see Josh Atencio again. Um, I I know he did not have a perfect game against Kansas city. Uh, I know in the Slack, you pointed out that he went, I think like over 13 on pressures or something like that. Yeah. Um, which I am sure is correct, but doesn't feel representative uh, of his performance.
0: I would agree with you there. I And I think his passing, What I mean, I think for one, I'll, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. I think, the activity of pressuring is sometimes it's not as important as actually winning your pressures, but I think there's some value in just being in position to, to like put pressure on your opponent in that way. But his passing I thought was good. I think he was, you know, he, he's very vertical in the way that he plays for a deep line player. Uh, you know, he, he'd like both to dribble forward and also pass forward. He's not afraid of, you know, making the decisive pass. His play, <clears throat> set up the first goal uh, he made the the interception that, and, and the pass to, to Brad Smith uh, that went ahead to, uh, that went ahead to Christian Roldan. That's like the third time I think that I thought he deserved a hockey assist. And I don't think he got one.
3: Yeah. One I, I just feel like he has a knack for finding himself in the right spots, whether that's on the attacking side of the ball or defense. I think if there was a stat of like press that leads to the press, right? He'd probably have done pretty well in that game. It felt like there were lots of instances where he went to press. He the guy maintained the ball, but was a little bit looser with it, and someone else won the next challenge. Um, I I also think, and I noted this in my recap, and we discussed it some in the Slack, but. I think as much as I love Kellen Rowe and I think he adds a lot and has been a huge addition to the team, I think in a lot of ways, Josh Atencio offers something in that midfield that just allows Joao Paulo and Christian Roldan in particular to play in a way that elevates their best qualities, that they are a little bit freer to commit when they go forward or to really dive in on a tackle, knowing that if they don't win that tackle or they lose the ball when they go forward, Josh Atencio is going to be there to clean things up or pick up a loose ball or make a pass or find them with that run in a way that I think Kellen Rowe just doesn't quite have. They don't seem to have the same kind of confidence that that's going to happen when Roe is there uh, and as they look to continue you know make this win into a winning streak, I think having a on the field seems like a valuable thing
0: yeah I would I would agree with all that uh, Beth do you have any any hopes and dreams for this San Jose game where I suspect we, we may see a somewhat rotated lineup
2: Um, my main hope and dream is obviously three points. Um, it's on the road. So like that seems doable for them. I feel more confident asking for a road win than a home win at this point. Um, and I feel like we've had some successes against San Jose. Well, it's been a mixed bag. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I will say that this. Our recent
0: recent past at San Jose has actually been pretty good.
2: Yeah. But I feel like in the past it's been very bad. So. There, I don't know. Yes, it's we're, been, it's I don't been know hit a miss there. Um, but I will say that this is making me realize that I'm not a fan of this condensed MLS schedule. I am getting tired. Like, we just, <laughs> every Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, I'm tired. I don't it's know exhausting. what they're going to do with the new leagues Cup thing where we just take a break for a month, but we still play the same amount of games. I really hope they, they stretch that season out because I'm tired. Also one more thing, Jordan Morris is coming back.
0: I was I yes after
2: the San Jose game, to full training. So I'm more excited for after the San Jose game when Jordan Morris comes back at this
0: yeah. point Yeah yeah, I, I think that's definitely a good note to close on. I was gonna mention that that uh, all indications are that Jordan Morris is going to be back in full training sometime this week. My suspicion is maybe as soon as Thursday, uh, if not then probably Friday. We don't know exactly when he's going to be back on the field, but if he's back in full training, it, it feels like it's just a matter of time at this point. I mean, he's got, you know, he, he's he got himself, you know, uh, the centers have nine games left in the regular season. I don't think it's crazy to think that he might play in four or five of those, which would be pretty remarkable, right? I mean, this is, this is a guy who blew out his ACL a little over six months ago. And, you know, last time he missed effectively a whole year. This time it looks like he could be back in in virtually half that time. Uh, Mickey, do you have, I know you've been out at training. I'll let you close with any thoughts you have on what we've seen of Jordan Morris so far.
1: Yeah. He's been going hard at training for what he's been doing now. And that's to be clear. He has not been in any scrimmages or really short sided stuff. He has been mixing it up a little bit. So uh, he's definitely, you know, more advanced i think than we we could have dreamed at this point and so uh it'll be interesting to see what he does on i think they have training on uh friday because yeah they have uh the game on wednesday and then they have thursday off so they'll be back on friday uh so presumably that is when we will see him in you know full training uh so obviously we'll need to see what he does and how much of that training he is involved in before we could probably give a guess and none of us are doctors and can't really speculate on that front, but he is on a, you know, strict medical timeline, as Smetra keeps saying, but it sounds like he is just about ready to go. So I would agree with you that, you know, after the international break in October seems like maybe, uh, maybe the week after that seems like the, the perfect time for him to return. And that would give, you know, give him like, you know, as you say, four or five games uh, to get kind of his fitness back. You know, maybe he's in a position to start in the season finale, uh, assuming everything goes well. And then you've got him uh, line up for the playoffs at that point, which is yeah, great. I mean,
0: yeah, it's it's I, I'm not even necessarily I'm just happy to see the possibility of him back on the field. I don't know uh, if we'll get to see him start or not, but just the idea of him playing in competitive games this year. Uh, fills me with a huge amount of joy. Uh, you mentioned the international break. I'll, I'll note that the Sounders are unfortunately not able to take off this international break because the game they had to reschedule a game against the Whitecaps uh, for League's Cup, and that got pushed to the international break. So they're going to have to play a game that weekend, which they originally had scheduled off. But that's probably a good place to to end this. Uh, we will be back, and I'm sure talking about the San Jose game and, and looking ahead to the Rapids game. Uh, So for now I'm Jeremiah Shan signing off for Mickey Turner, Tim Foss and Beth Mantle. This is the sounder at heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.